From the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Pattison, Dawson Wise, and Jordan Moore joining you on a Friday afternoon. Thank you so much for tuning in. 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in and join our Friday night edition of Overtime. A lot to cover in this first hour. We'll talk about the Vols. Uh, looking for revenge against Texas A&M tomorrow at Food City Center. We'll also take a look at the Vols matchup with UAlbany uh, going on right now and the home series uh, for the rest of this weekend. As always, we'll give our best bets at the end of the hour. Um, but we begin today's episode with some breaking news and that the NCAA rules barring the use of NIL compensation and recruiting received a blow in federal court on Friday when a U.S. district judge granted a temporary injunction and a lawsuit uh, lawsuit stemming from NCA violations investigating Tennessee. Um, the injunction stops the NCA from enforcing any rules relating to third-party negotiation on NIL compensation until a final decision is reached in this case. Um, in summary, a win for Tennessee. They fought back and they win. And now the NCAA is in a very tough situation because um, they're – their command and control is now uh, being severely limited, really gone now. Um, it'll be very interesting to see where this goes from here because there are other teams other than just Tennessee involved in this similar situation. Uh, you had Florida State that was uh, put in some trouble under this. You had University of Florida uh, in trouble under a very similar situation as well. Um, so now that Tennessee has won this, they've kind of set the, the foundation for a lot of other schools to say, hey, you know, we're not putting up with this crap either. And, um, you know, even though they, they lost the, the hearing a couple weeks ago, it was said if you take it to another court, you'll most likely win. Uh, we see the win today. Um, it, this is not surprising in my opinion. I, I, I think the most surprising thing about it, though, is the, the quickness to this, how quickly this unfolded. Um, because these, these things could take a very long time. And we know how the NCAA works. Um, the violations that Tennessee was in trouble for happened um, before Nico even got on campus. Um, and that was several years ago. Um, so they're very slow rolling. And you thought this process would be as well. Instead, it's a, a pretty quick decision in Tennessee's favor. Uh, guys involving you now, uh, your reaction to this. Dawson? A huge win for Tennessee. I mean, you can't say how much of a win, not only for Tennessee, I think for all of college football. Yeah. Uh, because – what the NCAA was going to be doing was 
infringing on the school's NIL rights and the booster-funded collectives NIL rights, which is actually the term that the judge used, is booster-funded collectives. Uh, His quote is actually, without the give and take of a free market, student-athletes simply have no knowledge of their true NIL value. It is this suppression of negotiating leverage and the consequential lack of knowledge that harms student-athletes. So you were basically saying to the next year of college athletes, you don't get to know your NIL value until you pick a school. Well, who wants to pick a school without knowing yeah. what they're going to make on NIL, mm-hmm. which is what these guys want. So huge win for Tennessee. Not surprising, but my instant reaction was, wow, that was quick. Uh, yeah. I figured this would drag into the summer. I figured we'd be talking about this in June. Well, when are we going to get a decision? I don't know. It's been three months. Uh, instead, uh, it's less than a week. I mean, three days yeah. since the hearing we get a result. Uh, massive win for this administration. And now you can take this as a banner and say, you know what? The precedent's set. Uh, the NCAA has no power. Uh, you guys can thank us. <laughs> yeah, Jordan. Yeah, I agree with both of you. This is massive for the University of Tennessee. It's massive for college football as a whole. Um, and I, I, I think everybody knew that this was coming, whether it was now or, you know, this moved on up to, to even higher mm-hmm. courts. This was going to be the ultimate end game. And it just knocks another peg out from under the NCAA. I mean, it just continues to show that they ha- don't have anything to stand on uh, in the college football world. Um and it's big too for you know recruiting purposes because I'm sure other schools were using the potential you know notice of allegations letter out there mm-hmm. as as a recruiting pitch for them, so that knocks that out of the equation too. Um, it'd be curious to see now does the NCA do they suspend the investigation or they just cancel it as a whole? Because yeah. I'm sure they're going to appeal this. I'm yes. sure they're going yes. to try to appeal yes. this and, and continue to fight this. So, you know what is what is their next? move as far as the investigation in the Tennessee, I would assume that they just pack up, go home, and that's it. Um, I think that'd be the smart route. But we also know they're not very smart. No. <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, do they want to continue to try to fight this? It, they're going to lose. But, you know, as we just said, they're not very smart and, and the way they go about things. So it's going to be curious to see how they move going forward. But at the end of the day, massive win for college football. I mean, it wasn't fair to these kids to begin with. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, somebody – Multiple people have said use this analogy, but it's basically like going and try to find a job without knowing what you're going to get paid before you pick it. Yeah, I mean, who wants to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what these kids were doing. Uh, and as far as you know, the booster collective thing, every collective is boosters. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. a, a normal fan donating to a to a collective is considered a booster. So I mean, that was the NSA screwed this whole thing up when they just approved NIL and put no guidelines and mm-hmm. no boundaries from day one, yeah. and this was where it was going to go. They they should have been more forward thinking in the situation and and talking to you know as you know Donde Plowman had mentioned talking to university presidents talking to athletic directors mm-hmm. you know having meetings before they just made it the wild wild west mm-hmm. to come up with a game plan and they didn't do that they kind of yeah. just threw a little you know fit and said okay here free reign and then they got mad after the fact yeah so it's a great day for university of tennessee and college football yeah look they opened the floodgates up and they got mad that it flooded everything you know um <laughs> that when this was put in when this was put in place allowed when the court ruled that nil would be allowed um the ncaa just sat back and, and said we're just going to let it happen we're not going to do anything about it then they want to go back multiple years later and say well actually what you were doing was wrong there uh it, it's it's not fair um, and, and backtracking and, and having it just hit your desk um, two to two and a half years after the fact just shows uh, the incompetence and inconsistencies in the NCAA. Um, and now you have this ruling. This really wipes a lot of the power 
um, out of the NCAA because we already know that the TV deals are, are not – they don't have anything to do with the NCAA. That, those are the, the conferences and, and the, the companies that broadcast them. The college football playoff has nothing to do with the NCAA. Um, the conferences themselves, you know, these are all their own, um, you know, own conferences. They don't have anything to do with the NCAA either. Now they're losing even more. Uh, it, it's it's hard to see how the NCAA stays afloat um, if they want to still be that commanding power up top. Um, and, and this was a, as expected, a loss for them, a win for Tennessee. Um, I think either side would have appealed this. Uh, even if Tennessee had lost, I think they would have appealed. NCAA will see if they uh, appeal as well. I'm sure they will. Uh, yeah. Um, Their response, actually, they put out a statement already today okay. that tells me they're going to appeal. It, this is just part of it. It comes from the On3 article. Okay. Uh, Turning upside down rules overwhelmingly supported by member schools will aggravate an already chaotic collegiate environment, further diminishing protections for student-athletes from exploitation. So they are not done fighting this. Well, you know, uh, the, the interesting word wording about that is you know protecting the players they didn't have that in mind when they allowed this thing to happen and didn't put anything in place um so i think it's a little hypocritical for them to say that um and i mean really it is what it is they lost lost the case i think they'll appeal we'll see how that goes i don't think it will bode well um i think it honestly would make them look even more idiotic to uh, appeal it and lose um I, i just think it's kind of an indictment of how they've they've handled things and and now um, they lose in a, a, a state, a two states, Virginia and Tennessee, are willing to fight them, and it, it goes the opposite way for the NCAA. Anything more to add? No. Not yet. Not until we learn yeah. more about it, I think, in the coming days. You know, I think I think all in the forefront of our minds, we think of this as a college football situation, mm-hmm. but this is a whole sport. Yeah, this whole, is yeah. baseball, yeah. basketball. So Sport-wide, this opens yeah. the, the floodgates for all sports, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and collegiate athletics. So, you know, now you're going to see basketball, NIL be talked about more, baseball, NIL be mm-hmm. talked about more, because it's going to be, you can talk about it more freely now uh, sure. that you don't have to kind of worry about the NCAA being around, look, looking over your back. Uh, so it's just a win for just collegiate athletics as a whole across the board for student athletes um, for, for this ruling to come down today. Well, uh, the Vols get a win today in court, and they're looking for another win on the court tomorrow against Texas A&M as they look for revenge against the Aggies. Uh, The fifth-ranked Tennessee Vols are looking for revenge once again as they welcome Texas A&M to Food City Center on Saturday. The game is set for 8 p.m. Eastern time, will be broadcasted on ESPN. Uh, The Vols come into this matchup at 20-6 and 10-3 in the SEC, just one spot back from um, the leader, and that's Alabama in the SEC rankings. Um, and the Vols are coming off a come-from-behind win, 72-67, to over Missouri on Tuesday. Despite trailing early, Tennessee responded with a dominant 32-12 to surge over the course of 11 minutes. Uh, sophomore forward Toby Awaka, career high for him, 18 points, co-game best, 10 rebounds. Really big performance from him. Um, and then the Aggies, on the other hand, um, ever since they beat Tennessee, it looks like um, they forgot how to play basketball. Uh, they come into this one at 15-11 overall, 6-7 and in SEC play, currently riding a three-game losing streak following a loss at home to Arkansas. We just saw that team last week. They're not very uh, collectively good. Um, this is the longest uh, losing streak since dropping eight consecutive in 2022 for A&M. Uh, give a quick Kim Palm breakdown real quick. UT, number seven overall, 21 in adjusted offense, five in adjusted defense. Uh, the Aggies are 52 overall, 44th in adjusted offense, 71 in adjusted defense. 
Um, now, keep in mind, the Aggies handed the Vols an 85-69 to defeat in the team's first meeting this season um, later or earlier on in February at Reed Arena. Um, so this is a, a spot for Tennessee to not only get some revenge from that matchup, but also continue to um, try and take the SEC um, regular season crown. They need to continue to stack up wins, another opportunity at home tomorrow. Uh, what are the keys to the game for the Vols? Dawson, we'll begin with you. Well, first one I think is the same as always. Set the tone. You're at home. You do this all the time at home. There's been one game where you haven't. It was South Carolina. Yep. And we see how that ended. Mm-hmm. Set the tone. I mean, these guys did it against you in College Station a few weeks ago. Do what they did. Dictate the flow of this game. Don't play their game. Play our game uh, and go win it. Uh, there's no reason you should not be dictating the flow of this game on your home floor. Do it early, do it often, and go take care of business. Man up on the glass. Uh, mm-hmm. The Aggies embarrassed you on the glass in this game a few weeks ago. You can't have that happen again, especially not on your home floor. Uh, beat them to the ball. Close out, box out, play good defense, uh, especially you know on both ends. Just beat them to the ball. Do not give them second chances. Give yourself some second chances. If they control the glass again, it's a recipe to lose yeah. on home floor to A&M if they beat you to the ball. So don't let them do it. And shake off the first half of the Missouri game. Don't let that linger. Mm-hmm. Don't get another start like that. Forget it. It's in the past. Don't look back at it. If it lingers with this team, it's dangerous. If they get into this pattern where, oh, now that there's some doubt, you know, mm-hmm. starting to linger that we can't start games very well, don't, don't worry about it. Look to the future. Look at this game alone. Shake that off and go take care of business. Yep. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. Um, you know, I would also add two things to that. It would be number one, our guards have to be better on the defensive end. They mm-hmm. cannot allow A and M's guards to just take over the game and get into the paint and do the things they did down in College Station. And two, we cannot let them get hot the way we did in the first half and let them gain confidence. Um, you know, I think they shot what was a forty-four percent down there in College Station from three. Yeah, and they've like shot twenty-nine yeah. percent in the three games since then. Mm-hmm. So yep. they got hot. Um, you know, I, I follow shot, uh, shot quality. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it says shot quality based off the quality of shots we're taking. Tennessee should have won the A&M mm-hmm. game based off the shots we took and they took. They just had a really, really hot night, uh, hot night down there. They got them confident, got them rolling. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious as far as the rebound uh, battle goes. You know, we you guys may have talked about it the other night, but you looked at that Missouri game and you saw what the two big lineup did with Awaka and Adu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm curious, is that something that, you know, Early in the game, does does Barnes go back to with sure. Awaka's rebounding ability to be able to control the glass? But at mm-hmm. the same time, can he can Awaka get out there in, in these pick and roll and these high pick situations and guard their mm-hmm. guards yeah. in those situations? So it's going to be interesting to see how, what does Barnes do to change it up to try to get A and M out of what their game plan was when we were down there, and also, you know, what do we do to 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 flip the rebounding battle? Um, I don't know if you can find out when the rebounding battle with AM because of how good they are at it, but you mm-hmm. cannot let it be a big gap and a difference. You can't yeah. let it have to be a big difference. Yeah. Uh, my first key is making sure that you have some home cooking. Look, you're playing at home. Tennessee's played really well at home this season um, compared to their um, away splits, uh, a far better team at home. Um, so, look, you got to get out and set the tempo early, set the tone, get out and transition, play the way you want to. And, and you saw that in the Vanderbilt game, even though they're inferior. Um, you saw that right away. They got out to it quickly and put that game away quickly as well. 
Um, even against Ole Miss and Alabama and Florida, you got out to all of those games hot and quick, and you got to play your tempo and the, your play style. Uh, you do that at home, especially against an Aggies team that struggled over the last three games. That's how you put a team away uh, away quickly. Um, the second thing, you've got to control – or not control the glass, but at least counter their attack right. on the glass. Um, they're really good at rebounding, especially offensive rebounding. We'll talk about Anderson Garcia more here in a minute. Um, this guy's really talented. They've got guys – they're a little undersized, but they have really good technique and angles of getting to the ball, kind of like ball hawks when, the, when it's coming off the rim. Uh, they're really good at getting to it. Um, so you've got to make sure you know where your personnel is, box out, and go to the ball. Don't let the ball come to you. Because um, these guys will go get the ball if you just sit there and watch it come. Um, so you've got to make sure you are focusing on the glass. And, and finally, Tyrese Radford and, and uh, Wade Taylor the fourth. Um, these guys are two of the best guards in the SEC. You've got to make sure that you do a good a good job defending them on the perimeter. And that first matchup against uh, Tennessee at A and M, um, they have their way in that first half, and then they combine for what, 20 points in that first half, combined for 52 overall, cannot allow that to happen, especially on the perimeter. Um, just getting shot contests, no open shots. We've seen a, a struggle of that. A lot of open shot threes is something we get from shot quality from Jordan. And, and a lot of times over the past couple of games, especially in games where Tennessee loses, way too many open shot opportunities. So making sure you're getting a contest and not allowing open ones. Um, I, those are my three keys. Home cooking, make sure you at least counter their uh, uh, rebounding attack, and make sure you don't allow these guys to uh, go bananas from the perimeter, especially with these two talented guards. Um, now, talking more about AM's rebounding, they lead the SEC in rebound margin at 9.5 while averaging 43.1 rebounds per game. These guys get it done on the boards, and a lot of their points come off those second-chance points. Uh, the Aggies lead the nation in offensive rebounds, uh, a game with 18.1, and have garnered 20 or more um, offensive rebounds eight times this season. In the first matchup, of, in the first matchup between the Aggies and the Vols, uh, Anderson Garcia brought down 17 rebounds and gave the Aggies plenty of second-chance points. Can't allow that tonight or tomorrow, I should say. Uh, how important is it to neutralize the glass in this one? It's crucial. Uh, I mean, because I felt like this is the only thing with the way they were shooting in College Station. This is the only thing that could have kept you in that game, and yeah. you could not get the job done. Uh, and again, if they come in and they are, are shooting hot at the start of the game, this is going to be what keeps you in it. This is going to be what keeps this game close, is grabbing rebounds when you can defensively, and especially on the offensive glass, don't waste possessions. Grab a second-chance rebound. Give your guys another chance to make a bucket, um, and that's going to be crucial because if you are not shooting like they are shooting, you're going to need to take advantage of as many chances as you can give yourself offensively. Defensively, again, you talk about their second-chance points. It killed you in College Station. You can't give it up again. Uh, if they're off even a little bit, Take advantage, grab rebounds. Mm -hmm. Do not let them get on the board on every possession. It felt like every time they run down the floor, you maybe miss the first effort. They go up, get it, and yeah. go right back up and score on every possession. It felt like every time they walk down the floor. Uh, so you can't do that. Neutralize their rebounding game uh, and neutralize their opportunity to maybe get a rebound, kick it out to an open shooter. Mm -hmm. Don't let that happen. Just go up, control the glass, and play physical and yeah. go grab some rebounds. Yeah, I mean, the key definitely for them to be able to stay in this game, if, if they're not going to shoot the, the way they were in College Station, if they're going to go back to what their average is on the season, the only way that they're going to be able to stay in this game is if they're able to get second-chance points and, and, and get on the boards. Just yeah. looking at it real quick, second-chance points, um, they're in the 100th percentile. They get 16.8 second-chance points a game. 
So that's that's yeah. where their offense comes from. They also get to the free throw. Not a great free throw shooting team, but they get to the free throw line. Um, so don't foul. Don't mm-hmm. don't give them freebies. Don't let them get to the free throw line. But definitely, you know, the rebounding aspect of it is if they're not if they're going to shoot their averages like they have been the past three three games since us, the only way they're going to stay in this game here uh, in Knoxville and Thompson Bowling is if you allow them to dominate you on the boards again and continue to get those second chance points to be able to keep the game close. Yeah, the the second chance points I think is the biggest thing here because getting those rebounds allows a team that isn't shooting very efficiently to get a second chance and a second crack at getting points on the board. Um, so I think in that sense, not even just the sense of losing the rebounding battle, just them getting those offensive rebounds I think is the most detrimental thing this A&M team does to teams. Um, so you've got to make sure, at least on the defensive side, you were bringing down rebounds and getting opportunities, whether it be in transition or just the opportunity to get it out of A&M's hands. I think that's the most important side of the, the ball in this one. Um, obviously, want to get second-chance points yourself, um, but for an A&M team that does not shoot very efficiently, allowing them to get second and third chances at getting buckets is not how you win this game. Um, so let's also take a look at the three-point numbers uh, for the Vols. So this was provided by Jordan a couple days ago. Um, at home – the Vols are shooting 36.3%, and they're allowing opponents to just 26.4%. That's a, a plus 9.9 differential. Now, on the road, it's a different story. Uh, the Vols on the road shooting 32.6%. Uh, opponents are making 37.2% of them, so that's a minus uh, 4.6 differential. The Aggies in that first game made 11 threes on nearly 40% shooting in the first matchup. Uh, can we expect the Vols to lock down defensively at home? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. They've done it all year. I mean, you see the splits. They play infinitely better at home. They play faster at home, I feel like, uh, less timid at home, uh, where they just kind of fly around and make plays. I, I say that a lot. It's become like a buzzword for me, sure. fly around and make plays. Be aggressive. Get up in their face. Make them uncomfortable. Do what you did to Mark Sears when he came into to Thompson Bowling a few weeks back. Do Do that again. I mean, he was just looked flustered all night long, and we've done it to several guys over the course of the year. But you know, he's probably the best, the most prolific shooter that we've sure. seen this year at home. So do that again to these two guards, especially get up close, get in their grill, play close. Don't let them, you know, get any breathing room in this game. Uh, this is going to be a nice test, I think, for Adu and Awaka and the company down low, um, especially with their inside game and their rebounding game. Uh, Play up, play, play physical. Be the more physical team. We say this every game. It feels like be more physical without stepping over the line, uh, and this should be another really great defensive effort at home. Yeah, um, at home Tennessee has an 89 defensive rating, which is the 100th percentile, and on the road it goes all the way up to 111.4, which is the 21st percentile. So they're a completely different defensive team at home compared to the road. Um, they also are in the 100th percentile on defense and opponents two-point shooting and three-point shooting at home. They're yeah. a completely different defensive team at home. So they can, you know, but I will say over these last handful of games, and I think I sent you this the other night, William, is like to the first 19 games we only allowed five teams to shoot 30% or better mm-hmm. from three. And in, in the past seven games we've already done it five times. Mm-hmm. Over the last seven games our defense, even at home, has slipped and has not been as good as it has been in mm-hmm. the earlier in the season. Um, if this team wants to win the game on Saturday night, that defense needs to get back to what it had been earlier in the year, especially defending the three-point line, um, and if the, you know, and also um, rebounding the basketball. But the three-point shooting thing is a big differential split between home and away. We shoot obviously most teams are going to shoot way better at home because they're used to the gym, they're used to the rims. Mm-hmm. Um, but we cannot let A&M come in here and get hot again. We've allowed a couple of teams the past couple of weeks to come in here and shoot pretty well from three. 
uh, above their averages on the season. And we can't let AM come in and do that again for a second time in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and this kind of matchup fits the bill of these inferior shooting teams coming in, maybe not to TBA, but facing off against the Vols, allowing to shoot well above their season average. Uh, A&M right now shooting 26.8% at the top of the key, below the Division One average, uh, just 30% from the corner, um, both below the Division One average. Um, so uh, in, in terms of expecting the Vols, uh, to, to get it done defensively, I think you have to expect them uh, to because this is the team that is, is not shooting well in A&M, um, and now they're going on the road where they've even shot even less. I mean, they, they've converted even less on the road. Um, so I, I have to say you have to expect the defense to turn up here at home where you so far seen this year where they have proven that uh, teams kind of struggle coming in and shooting here. Now, when you go on the road, you allow teams to shoot a little bit better. Um, but I think this one, uh, kind of a comeback to reality game, at least considering what A&M did in that last one. Um, I, I expect Tennessee to be better defensively, especially on the perimeter. Um, the Aggies, however, are 12-2 and in games where Tyrese Radford uh, hits the 20-point plateau, one of their t- uh, talented guards, uh, since his arrival in 2021-2022 season. Wade Taylor, we all know him, uh, averaging 19 points a night. They get a lot of their production from these two guys. Uh, the two combined for 52 in the previous matchup uh, earlier in the month at AM. Uh, how important is it for the Vols to keep the Aggies' guards out of this one? Oh, it's massive. I think they need to be your focal point defensively, honestly. Make them beat you with someone else. And we've talked about this before with other teams, but when when those two guys are combining for that much of their production, mm-hmm. make that a focal point. Make that a focus. Say, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to do it with someone else. Uh, and if that's the case, then so be it. Yeah. But go to make them go to other options. Do not let those guys get comfortable. Do not let them settle into the game. Play close to them. Fly around. Get in their face. Uh, again, do the same thing you've done to every other team virtually that's come into Thompson Bowling Arena this yeah. year. Just get up in their face and play close. The crowd is going to be in this game as well. It's going to be an effect. Use that energy. Play with that energy on the floor defensively because these losses and these fire drill games are mainly because you can't you can't guard their guards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're giving up seven, eight open shots a game. You're letting a guy go for 25 points. And you're losing games in the case of A&M or having these Vandy, Georgia, Arkansas games that are basically fire drills at some point in the game because they're – they're on point from three. Their guards are playing well, and they're running their offense. Make them a focal point. Focus on it early and often, uh, and do not let them get comfortable. Yeah, it's it's massive. You can't – I mean, that's that, that gets Texas A&M going uh, are those two guys. And, you know, Zakai and, and especially Vescovy and even Mayshack down there in College Station, they pretty much got punked by those guys down mm-hmm. in College Station. Yeah. I mean, they allowed them to get into the paint, uh, you know, at will, and they prevented us from getting into the paint on our, on our end on the offensive end of the ball. So, you know, getting their, their guys the, – out of, out of the rhythm of the game, out of what they want to do, not giving them confidence, not giving them room to breathe. You know, we use the the phrase on here all the time about Zakai being a pest. Yeah, he yep. needs to get back to being a pest, yep. especially with these two guys. You you cannot let these guys come in here and do the exact same thing that he allowed them to do down there in College Station. And I would, knowing Zakai, knowing his mindset, I would expect him to take that challenge on. Yeah. I would expect him to want to show up and prove that that was an anomaly down there in College Station and, and want to shut down, you know, Way Taylor as much as he possibly can, but also give it back to him on the offensive end too, um, and and get our offense flowing way better than what it was. Our, our offense just flows better at home than on the road. I don't understand yeah. what happens when we go on the road and why it's more stand around uh, and take bad shots compared to at home. Um, 
but definitely get, getting Taylor and, and Radford out, out of their groove and not allowing them to get confident. Because at the beginning of that game in the A&M game, you allowed them to shoot out of their minds, mm-hmm. and it gave them confidence. And then they started, you know, walking with a swagger, playing with a swagger, and it just fueled that arena. And you cannot, you can't let those guys come in here and quiet our arena yeah. and let them get confident. So it's definitely a big key, especially at the beginning of the game. Yeah, just comparing a couple of previous matchups you've had against uh, teams with heavy guard play. Um, last week with Vanderbilt, Ezra Mannion um, only had six points. You held him to three of seven shooting. He was one of their top scorers on the team, so holding him to six points. Against Florida, you held Walker Clayton Jr., a guy that's had a really good season so far, held him to six of 18 shooting, uh, just 16 points. And obviously uh, the matchup with Alabama, you had Mark Sears coming into town. He did have 22, but you, ever, you were able to force seven turnovers from him, a career-high worst for him. Um, so – when you've played at home, you have at least the the history of being able to stop these guys, um, and I think you have to do it in this one again. As big of a matchup it is on the glass, you can't allow these two guards to get hot because when they get hot, this is when they win games. The way they beat Kentucky a, a couple uh, about a month ago when they played at A and M, these guys got hot. Radford was making shots. Taylor was making shots. You can't allow these guys to get hot. And you saw it last time you played these guys, combining for 52. Cannot allow that. I think that's a given. Um, Don't connect. And say, you have something to add? Yeah, I was yeah. just going to add one thing. Another small worry about this game that you know sneaks up in the past. You look at some of the games we lost, South Carolina, Mississippi State. There are uh-huh. teams that want to slow the pace down. Yeah. Yep. And, and this is another team another that wants team to come in here and wants yes. to slow the pace down. Yeah. So it could be another small worry of do they come in here and muck the game up and get us out of what we want to do and slow the game down and not allow us to get out and push the pace like what you're talking about and allow us to get into our free movement on offense. So that, that can another be something to look forward to tomorrow night also. Yeah, and, and you talk about the offense. Don Connect, Zakai Ziegler, the only two Vols and double figures in the previous matchup. Um, and we, we've seen it. The Vols have a lot more success when they're allowed to play in transition, speed up the game, uh, a very different style of play than years past under Rick Barnes in Tennessee. Um, but it's it's just caused success for this team. Um, who can rely – who can the Vols rely on this one um, to step up in this matchup outside of Connect and Ziegler? And can the Vols – uh, be able to play their play style and get out in tempo? Well, number one is going to be Jordan Ganey because uh, in these kind of games, a spark plug guy, especially with the crowd like it's going to be tomorrow night, um, can really – they can affect the energy, um, but they can also – they can push the tempo, they can push the lead. If we get out to a lead and Ganey hits a couple big shots, the place is going to be rocking, yeah. uh, and you can quickly put a game out of reach that way. If you get and I'm out of sorts, all of a sudden they're desperate, they're down 8, 10 points – and then maybe you pull away and the game's over. Um, so Ganey, I think, is number one. I think the seniors would be number two. Uh, these are guys that have been in this spot a million times in college basketball. Um, we need them again tomorrow. Um, Vescovy has started to finally get back. Josiah's been back for a couple weeks now um, to form. Uh, we're going to need them in this moment. Did not have them in College Station. Going to need them tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, the last two for me are Adu and Awaka. Uh, this is especially with the key that rebounding is going to be in this game. You're going to need them down low. Uh, and then offensively, I mean, we saw what Awaka can do. Uh, he puts on the hard hat, goes to work down low yeah. if you need him to. He's a workhorse, and then Adu can can jump out and give you 15 a night. So uh, if you get that from some from some of those guys, um, we should be in business. Um, you know, on this, I'm always going to say Josiah Jordan James. Yeah, yeah. he's he's always the X factor in these games. When he shows up and he gets eight plus, this team is very very hard to beat. Yep. And when he doesn't show up and he's and he's not hitting shots and he's not playing confidently and he's held to eight or less. This team, you know, has trouble. Um, so I, he's an X factor, and he plays better at home. He shoots the ball better at home. 
once again, most teams are going to shoot the ball better at home because they're comfortable in the court in the arena. So that's that's my number one X factor every time. It's why it's why I get so frustrated and I get on get I rag him a lot is because I know he's he's one of the X factors that makes this team go, and he he has ability to push this team's potential even further than what it already is if he can be more consistent than what he is. Uh, Vescovy is another one. He's been playing a little bit better lately. Uh, shooting the ball a little bit better lately, so I want to continue to let him find his confidence. And you know, as Dawson said, gaining off the bench is key. You know, if he can come in, he can knock down some shots. Spark uh, plug. Yeah, you know, he's a spark plug off the bench, and he once again does it a little bit better at home. Um, those those three guys, Vescovy, Josiah, and Ganey coming in. Because once again, it's also on the other end of the floor of having to stop their guards too. Yeah. So it, it goes on both ends of the floor. You need to get those three guys going on the offensive end, and you also need to have them locked in on the defensive end to get Wade Taylor and those guys out of their rhythm. Yeah, I'd like to see Josiah Jordan-James in this one uh, get going, especially if you go with a lineup with um, without a Waka in there, uh, with James being that four, um, then that allows the opportunity offensively um, if Jordan plays on the perimeter or um, right there at the nail um, at the free throw line, allows to pull his defender away um, from the from the glass in terms of rebounding for Adu. Um, so I think if you're able to pull pull these guys away from the glass, you have a little bit of a better advantage of getting more rebounds, especially with um, the size advantage Adu has in this one. I'd love to see Josiah just continue to be aggressive. We've seen hot and cold spurts of it. Some games it looks like he just really wants to make an impact. Some games it looks like he's just uh, kind of going through the motions out there. Right. Um, so I'd really like to see him in this one uh, be that aggressive guy and, and be able to pull his defender away um, from the glass, allow for Adu to get some boards. Um, real quick before we head to the break, do we expect the Vols to bounce back in a revenge spot at home? Yeah, I mean, this team's been virtually lights out at home. You give them a revenge spot now against a team that, quite frankly, embarrassed them a few weeks ago, uh, combined with the energy that's going to be in that building. Absolutely. Barnes teams, like I said yesterday, don't get swept in the regular season yep. often when they lose that first game. I expect them to have them ready to go and adjusted um, and, and in the right mindset to perform. Uh, and looking at how A&M's been the last week and a half, uh, it's been rough, quite frankly. They are not the team that we lost to three weeks ago. They are a much different team. So yep. I fully expect us to win this one. Jordan? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Under Rick Barnes, his teams, as, as he just said, they the second matchup, if they've lost that first one, they normally don't lose that second one. Um, and this team, the mindset of this team, especially with Zakai uh, and especially with Dalton, you know, they're dogs. And they know they, they went down there and they got punked. They 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 know that. I'm sure they talked about it in the locker room. So I would expect them to want to come back and give it right back to them. Yep. The environment's going to be crazy. It's going to be at 8 o'clock, you know, tip-off, uh, the checker and the uh, TBA – and and the fans are going to be thirsty for this because yeah. they know how bad you know we played down there and mm-hmm. they're going to want to get plus the whole Buzz Williams factor that whole thing of yeah. him running out on the yeah, court yeah, yeah. out on the middle of the court yeah the fans yeah. are going to give it to him for that mm-hmm. uh, so I, I definitely expect the Vols to to bounce back and get the win another key thing you know the rest of these games they all mean something from this yeah. point on yes they do you're fighting for the SEC regular season championship yes mm-hmm. you were almost Florida almost did you a favor the other night yeah and you would have been tied for first well Bama plays Kentucky tomorrow. So if they go down there and they or they go up there and they lose in Lexington, you're playing for first place because yep. you hold the tiebreaker. Yes. Yep. So you have there's a, a lot to play for moving forward. And I'll add one more thing: you're playing for number one seed. Yep. The Arizona lost yep. last night. Yep. You have fought four quad one opportunities left. Mm-hmm. You can win three of those. You're going to have a better resume than Arizona, yep. and you have a chance to get it. So all these games are big. All of them matter. All of them are really going to start feeling like NCAA tournament type games. Yep. So they need to show up and show what they're capable of doing going forward. Yep. And stay right here on Overtime. We'll be right back after a quick break. 
Rev up your savings at Volunteer Auto Group, your one-stop destination for quality vehicles at unbeatable prices. Cruise through their vast selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. They've got the flexible financing options that make it easy for you to drive home today. Volunteer Auto Group, where every deal's a winner. 1501 Callahan Drive. Check them out online at volauto.com and tell them Fan Run sent you. A brand built in Tennessee and born from the love of the game. Inward Half revolutionizes golfing comfort. Crafted by a former pro and dedicated enthusiast just like you, our luxury performance wear guarantees you stay cool and comfortable through every swing and every day. We're not just a brand. We've set out to create a lifestyle for those who understand that impeccable style and premium performance are a hole-in-one. Enjoy the walk-in with Inward Half. I was afraid to cut the cord, but once I did, I couldn't believe it took so long to do it. Paying too much for my cable bill had become a bad habit. I either wasn't getting what I wanted or never knew where to find any of my favorite shows until it was too late. Plus, the prices just kept going up. Thankfully, I discovered a new way to watch called Philo. For just $25 a month, I can catch all my favorite shows on networks like BET, MTV, and TLC. It even has Nickelodeon for my kids. I can watch anytime I want, anywhere I want. Plus, Philo lets me have up to three streams at once, so everyone can watch what they want at the same time. Throw in the unlimited DVR that saves all my favorites for up to a year, and this really is the best deal in TV. I just wish I hadn't waited so long. Sound too good to be true? Well, try it out for yourself, and you'll see why people who love TV love Philo. Go to philo.tv, that's P-H-I-L-O dot TV, and start your seven-day free trial now. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GainBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GainBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today at GainBridge.io. Back here on Overtime on a Friday. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, let's talk about the Diamond Vols real quick. Uh, following a pair of midweek victories to open the 2024 home slate, the number 7-9 Tennessee uh, continues its 15-game homestand this weekend with a weekend series against the University of Albany um, at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Uh, the Vols earned a hard-fought 3-2 victory over UNC Asheville on Tuesday before exploding for 11 runs in the third inning of Wednesday's 16-0 run rule win over ETSU. Uh, your projected starters for this weekend is obviously one game is already in action right now. Um, A.J. Russell got the ball today. Really good start for him. Um, only pitched three innings, uh, but the Vols out to a comfortable lead. Um, Russell um, going to need him later on in the season. Don't have to wear him out in a game against the Great Danes, who went nine and thirty-four last year. Or they were, Something like that. So, it wasn't great. Um, so um, AJ Russell gets the start today. Uh, Drew Beam, the starter for tomorrow. Uh, game three, a TBD. Um, don't know who the starter will be for that one, um, but 
Tennessee has been extremely tough to beat at home regardless over the past three-plus years, thanks in large part to having one of the best home field advantages in college baseball. The Vols are 116-21 and when playing at Lindsey Nelson Stadium since the start of the 2020 season and continue to set attendance records along the way. Uh, the Big Orange went 33-5 and at home in 2023 with six series sweeps, marking the program's third consecutive season with 30 or more home victories. Um, I know one game's already in action, but what are you looking for um, the Vols this weekend to achieve? I mean, the first one is take care of your business. I mean, these early season series are are just an opportunity for you to just get out there and play some ball and get ready for conference play. Please do that. Like, you didn't start well last year. We've talked about this, you know, multiple times now that we've talked about this team, that you needed to get a better start. Five and one's great. Eight and one would be better, so just keep taking care of your business and keep putting wins in the win column because that's how you keep your name up in the top echelon of college baseball. So just keep doing that uh, and keep hanging around. Uh, the explosive offense needs to keep going. It's it's going to a degree today. I think it was 5 nothing when I looked. I don't know if that score has changed at all in the past couple innings. Um, but you've already gotten some big hits out of some guys today, but keep that going. You found something on Wednesday, uh, 11 runs with two outs in the third, 16 on the day. Yep. You're really finding your groove offensively as guys work into their roles. So keep that up. Uh, and then the last thing for me is give guys opportunities. Give the young guns opportunities. These series against teams that you said, you know, 9 and 34, get, get some young guys out there. Don't let it cost you the game, but see what you've got. Continue to do that. Um, and see if you can work any guys into the rotation this year, um, see if you can work any guys into that going forward, see what you've got for the future, and get the young guns in there. Yeah, um, you know, Adrian Russell, as you said, he went three innings today, got him some good work, letting him build up. Uh, he got him out so you can get some of these, you know, young arms, some of these young guys some work to see what you may have there. You know, hopefully uh, Beam can do the same thing tomorrow. Uh, you let him work up a little bit and get some of these uh, young pitchers in. Um, figure out your lineup, you know, mix, mix and match your lineup, move some guys around. Maybe you can get Blake Burke going, get him some comfortable, get him some good good at bats, uh, and some hits on the ball. Um, that's my biggest thing that I've been looking for is you know I think we're comfortable with Russell and Beam, you know one two. I'm looking at what does this lineup end up looking like when you start playing, yeah. you know the big boys. And uh, so you're gonna as these games are being played, especially this weekend, you're gonna start figuring out. Um, who got what? Which guys are locked in? And looks like tonight the names that we all would think would be locked in are Morris got a couple of hits, Amick has a couple of hits, Tears and Dryling. Blake, Blake Burke just homered, by the way. Oh, good great. for him! All right, great, great. right on cue, right on cue, <laughs> great. Uh, get him going uh, and move some guys around and start figuring this lineup out as you start playing these games. And I'm I'm really interested to see who they decide to throw out there on Sunday, uh, who that third starter is, and how how long of a leash do, do they have. Um, because that's going to be key if you can, you know, win, on winning some series in, in SEC baseball. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe even sweeping some series in SEC baseball is going to be who that third who that third starter is. And you got some good options with Acosta and Snead. I thought Matthew Dallas pitched very yeah, well. Yeah, he was night. great. Uh, as, as a young guy, maybe you could throw him out there on Sundays. So just get a lot of these guys work. You know, Albany's not very good. It's kind of like Iona was, what was it, last year or the year before when you yeah. kind of blew them out. Yeah. Um, just – this this weekend, I'm particularly looking for getting some guys some work, getting good at bats, putting good at bats together, putting some runs on the board to show that explosive offense that we all thought was going to be there, mm-hmm. mix and matching, and trying to trying to figure out the perfect spot for some of these guys in the lineup. 
Yeah, uh, Vols currently lead 8-2 after a, a very timely analysis there from Jordan Blake Burke gets it going. <laughs> um, but I want to talk a little bit about the pitching duo of A.J. Russell and A.J. Causey. These, these guys put on a show in last Friday's season opener, uh, went over Texas Tech, combining to pitch all nine innings while striking out 17 Red Raiders batters. Really impressive stuff there. Uh, the A.J.'s, if you want to call them, allow just two runs on five hits and one walk against a dangerous Texas Tech lineup. Uh, Russell got the starting nod and was uh, nearly unhittable for the first four innings, allowing just one hit while racking up a career-high 10 strikeouts in that span. Uh, the first eight outs Russell recorded in the game were via strikeout. Really nice stat there. Um, Causey came in relief of Russell with one out and two runners in the fifth, and after uh, giving up a two-run single, he was able to uh, stand the tying run at third to end the inning and preserve the Vols' lead. Uh, Jacksonville stra- transfer allowed just one hit and faced the minimum over the final four innings while racking up seven strikeouts in his 4.2 innings of work to pick up his first win as a Vol. He was also named the SEC Co-Pitcher of the Week last week in um, response to a dominant relief performance. Um, Both these guys uh, causing now in action. Uh, Now Stamos came in to relieve um, A.J. Russell. Um, Stamos allowed uh, two runs. Uh, but causing now in the game, and he'll be pitching the rest of the way most likely. Um, Russell, another big performance from him. Um, these guys, I think, are, are very, very vital to this team, especially kind of that one-two punch. Um, you talk about trying to figure out what your team's going to look like. Come, I, Really, I think Illinois, Illinois is the weekend I like to yeah. know what I've got going into conference play. Um, so I think the, the one-two punch of the AJs is, is really good. Um, but going more to the unknown now, um, in terms of who gets the ball on Sunday, I think you've got a, a race here between Seacrest and Snead. Uh, Matthew Dallas made a name for himself uh, uh, yesterday, or was it two days ago? Um, so, who do you want to see get the ball on Sunday this weekend, at least? I think this weekend it probably should be Seacrest again, um, just because you know was that a first start jitters thing? Was that a you know you're away from home type of thing? Um, just see if it was a one-time thing, maybe, or if it's going to be more of a long-term, you know, maybe he's not the guy that's cut out for that spot. Sure. I would say give him the ball again this Sunday, at the very least. Give him one more start. Uh, if he goes out there and looks good, maybe you have a little bit more trust in him. If not, then you start to look otherwise. I was going to say Causey. Obviously, they bring him in today out of relief, so that kind of goes out the window. And the other one for me is Snead. Uh, being a flamethrower, being a wrinkle compared to a couple of these other guys that they're going to see, um, see what he can do as a starter. Yeah. Can he can he have that production that he had last weekend out of the bullpen? Can he have that as a starter? Uh, I would really love to see if he could go you know, an extended period in a game, uh, if, if Tony kind of gives him a little bit longer leash and lets him go five, six innings, um, and, and see if we have something there. Um, because I think him, Russell, and Beam would be a really nice one, two, three punch if it all yeah. works out. Yeah, it would. I would definitely give Secrets another another shot uh, on on a Sunday to see to see how he does. Um, let him try to settle in a little bit. I'm I'm torn on the Snee thing because I would be curious to see if he starts. You know, with him being a flame for uh, flamethrower, how long does that last? How, yeah, how right. long can he keep that right. up? And how accurate can he be over three or four innings with that? Mm-hmm. And it would be a nice changeup on a Sunday to have a guy come in on Sundays after a long weekend, throwing that type of heat right. and a start. But at the same time, with the Snee thing, I kind of also like the aspect of you're bringing a guy in in the 6th, 7th, 8th inning. Yeah, when guys are a little bit more tired. Yeah. And, th- and throwing gas down down the plate. So I would give Z. Chris another start on Sunday. Um, and then if that doesn't go well and he, do- he doesn't look great, doesn't look you know the way you need him to look, then I would 
make the change to maybe next Sunday doing doing Snead to see how long he can go in a game and how accurate can he be throwing the ball. The longer he goes, the more pitches he racks up. Yeah, I think you have to give Seacrest the ball this weekend, uh, especially, you know, you take him out. Um, that, that, that's a hit to his confidence as well. Um, so I think he gets the ball and then, you know, let Snead come in, do his thing. I, I really like that take as well. Sunday afternoon, uh, long weekend, final innings, you know, in, in some situation, guys were just, you know, ready to go home, ready to get the weekend over. Right. Um, you know, in that six, seven, eight innings, um, you get Snead in there throwing heat. I mean, th- that's where you really catch teams off guard. So I like that approach as well. And really, you think about it, um, how long can Snead throw that heat for, especially if he starts a game? Um, you know, he could easily tire out, especially if those first two innings go a little bit longer than expected. Um, then you've got, you know, relievers coming in really early on, and that, that puts you back. So um, I think Seacrest should get the start once again. Give another opportunity. Don't hurt his confidence. There was a reason why he was a midweek starter last year. Um, so continue to give him shots and opportunities. And if he's not doing it, then you can reevaluate the next weekend and, and see where you go. Um, I, I think right now, really leading up to that Illinois game is, is where you're trying to figure things out. What's the best lineup we've got offensively? Um, who's working pitching-wise? You know, What lineups and what days should we get these guys involved? Do we give Causey the ball on Sunday? Or do we really like how he follows up Russell? You know, These kind of situations, um, very similar to when we played Vanderbilt in basketball. Um, an opportunity to get some situational stuff, experimental stuff, um, and, and some inferior opponent games. Um, I think the same applies to this this baseball group um, and just trying to test some things out, see where it goes. Um, be interesting to see who gets the ball Sunday. Uh, we think it will be Seacrest, but we'll just have to see. All right, when we come back, we'll give our best bets of the night. Stay right here on Overtime. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. eBay Motors here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it all. A brand built in Tennessee and born from the love of the game. Inward Half revolutionizes golfing comfort. Crafted by a former pro and dedicated enthusiast just like you, our luxury performance wear guarantees you stay cool and comfortable through every swing and every day. We're not just a brand. We've set out to create a lifestyle for those who understand that impeccable style and premium performance are a hole-in-one. Enjoy the walk-in with Inward Half. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft last year. 
If you're in a bind, this tax season, LifeLock can help. They monitor and alert you to identity threats you'd miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become a victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issue. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help protect your financial info, so all you have to worry about is what you do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com, save up to 25% off your first year. The promo code is HERD, promo code H-E-R-D, to save up to 25% off your first year. LifeLock.com. Identity theft protection starts here. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows. Get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at NorthKnoxSidingAndWindows.com. All right, back here on Overtime. It's time for our best bets of the night. Dawson, go ahead and start us off. Uh, okay, a pair of revenge spots for me. I'll start with South Carolina plus three and a half on the road at Ole Miss. The Gamecocks need this one bad. Um, that was a rough loss to LSU. They need to get back on track. Uh, if they want to stay in the upper half of the SEC, they need this one tonight in Oxford. So lean on Michi, lean on B.J. Mack, uh, and get back on track. I like them, especially at a plus number as a ranked team on the road. Uh, I like this number plus three and a half for the Gamecocks tonight. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take Princeton to cover the spread. I think it was five and a half when I last looked. Let me make sure again. Um, yeah, they're uh, favored by five and a half. They beat Harvard by 31 the last time they played them, and it's Oof. only five and a half tonight. Yeah. Uh, Princeton's one of the best offenses in college basketball. Harvard is 183rd – or 140 – excuse me, hang on. Yeah, 183rd in defense uh, in Ken Palm. Uh, Princeton's 29th. So, I would expect Princeton to have a really big offensive night. And, um, like I said, they beat them by 31 last time. Princeton has – they've been rolling here lately. They they lost two a couple weeks ago, but then they've got, they got their groove back and their offense has been going again. So, I'm going to take Princeton to cover the five and a half tonight. Yeah, I'm staying in the Ivy League as well, and I've got the Cornell Big Red tonight in a revenge spot against Yale. Uh, Cornell plays at a rampant pace, 25 and or 25th in adjusted tempo this season. Uh, shoots a ton of threes, 48% of their shots from the three-point line. Um, although it doesn't connect on a ton of them, they shoot 33% on those shots. Um, but they shoot 63% on two-point shots, so they're very efficient. Um, this is a good offense. I'm uh, um, led by Brian Earl. Um, his brother is at UT Chat, and he, they run a very similar offense as well. Very high-paced, um, high-scoring, and, and efficient. Um, I've got Cornell money line, um, and, and this is a it's a, a minus two lines. I just bought it to money line. They've been really good at home. Only one loss this season um, at home, so I'm taking Cornell. Uh, another revenge spot for me. It's a team we talked about on here the other night, and it is Illinois. Nine, minus nine and a half tomorrow uh, on home against Iowa. 
another team that needs one. I mean, just inexplicable loss at Penn State the other night. Um, and for a team that wants to be a top 16 overall seed that thinks they are playing like a top 16 overall seed, uh, they need this one bad. Uh, at minus 9.5 at home, I think they get it done uh, and get back to form. They, they just This is that kind of bounce back spot where, like South Carolina, you need this one bad. So give me Illinois minus 9.5. Yeah, I'm going to take Nevada again tonight. They're favored by 10.5. They're playing San Jose State. San Jose State is 305th in adjusted defense on mm-hmm. Kim Palm, and Nevada is 67th on offense. Uh, Nevada's been playing well. They're also in the race for the Mountain West yes. uh, regular season championship, and they're also in the race to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, so I think they're going to show up and, and put on a show against San Jose State. So I'm going to take them to cover the 10.5. Dawson, any more bets from you? Uh, yeah, going to the NBA, Minnesota, minus 4.5 tonight against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, this Bucks team is – floundering i mean even hiring doc rivers just did not work yeah something's not working in that room they're on back-to-back losses to the heat and the grizzlies yeah uh in, in the last week uh they're they're all over the place not shooting the ball well not playing good defense so uh minnesota is on all cylinders playing some of their best ball of the year at yep. the right time on the playoff push and at four and a half at home uh i like that number a lot too so give me minnesota minus four and a half any more bets for you yeah i'm gonna go to the nba and take the heat plus two and a half coming out of the all-star break uh I like that one Kind of sound like Hero may not be playing tonight, and if so, I like that bet even better because the offense flows way better when they don't have Hero and Butler out there at the same time. So Butler's back. He's had some time off. He's rested. He should be ready to go tonight. Bam, him and Bam play very, very well together. So I'm going to take them uh, against the Pelicans uh, plus two and a half. All right, those are our best bets of the night. Um, Cornell money line for me. Dawson, yours? Uh, South Carolina plus three and a half in Illinois, minus nine and a half tomorrow. And then tonight I got Timberwolves minus four and a half. Princeton minus five and a half. Nevada minus ten and a half. And the Heat plus two and a half. All right, that'll wrap up our best bets of the night. Stay right here on Overtime for hour number two. Coming in hot. Up next. <laughs> 